Hello, everybody. Welcome to The X Podcast. It's so great to have you with us today. I have my friends Russ and Tim here. Iceland Russ and Tan Tim. Can I win you some Tan Tim? I Tan like Tim. that. Yeah, very nice to see you. Yeah, that. you just got back from Iceland. I did. Kevin said he can tell. Yeah. Because you, <laughs> you lost, you <laughs> lost you your tan? A, did you or take you? an overnight flight? <laughs> oh, that's <Listen>. rough. <laughs> Listen, how rough. Um, there's nothing I can do about how I look. Um, well, I guess there are. Uh, yeah, I got in. <laughs> There's nothing I can do but brushing my teeth. I'm yeah. kidding. Oh, right. I'm kidding. Right. You smell fine, though. Thank you. How was it? I've had COVID, so I can't tell how you smell. Okay. Right. How Never was mind. it? I smell beautiful, like okay. roses. It was incredible. <laughs> it was a dream. I posted a little bit about it. Wow. Um, so, but it honestly, it's on a lot of people's bucket list was never on mine. My dad kind of masterminded the whole trip, but it was unbelievable. Um, the, the scenery, mm. uh, the nature, the architecture of Iceland. All of it just creates a place that I've never even imagined. It was amazing. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Um, every time I think about Iceland, I think of that movie Eurovision, which I already told you. That. Yes. Have you uh, seen it? I know which one you're With talking Will about. With Will Ferrell? I need to see yes, it. Yes. It's like the Europe American yeah. Idol or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, it's, it's one of those movies that you just cringe the whole time. Mm. But, but you can't stop watching. It reminds watching. me of Iceland. So every time you posted a picture, I would giggle a little bit. Mm, not, because, beautiful. not because the picture was bad, just because of that movie. So I'm glad mm. to have you back. It's mm. good to be back. And you, ever, you, you just got back from vacation swimming yeah. with the sharks. Yeah, yeah. Shark Week by my the time brother, we record guess this. What? My brother got stung by a stingray. What? Whoa. Yeah. On jellyfish. He was standing in the shallow water, and it was the last day. I was like, we, we drove overnight, so I was like sleeping to prepare myself for the drive. And he, I wake up, oh, your brother's getting a tetanus shot because he. Wait, I didn't got know. Stung st- by a stingray. When you say sting by a stingray, you got mean barb. barb. That's yeah. what I'm saying with the tail. Is that what they consider? It was it? like in the sand, and he stepped on his really? like little baby one, and it went get, right on his ankle. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But he's D- fine. Did you pee on it? I don't know what that means. Okay. But <laughs> Is it just jellyfish, or do you do it also when stingrays it, I don't sting know. you? Do you have to pee on it? Just to be safe, I pee on people every time they're bit <laughs> by anything. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Oh. Uh, no sharks when you were down there? Looks. No sharks. Have you seen We had the hurricane or the tropical storm. So there was like 90 mile per hour winds. Oh, that's fun. On the island. And we're like, people were texting me, are you okay? Are you okay? Neither of you texted me, which. Well, no, I just assumed you were okay. But it was like, hey, everything's fine. And it was at the time. And then like an hour passed. Yeah. And the winds were 90 miles an hour. There was pool chairs from all the houses around us just flying everywhere. I love it. It was nuts. That's awesome. We ran the whole time? We drove into a hurricane once. That one. We went to Florida. And it was awesome. Like, the hurricane was hitting in central Florida. And me and my friend, we had, like, raincoats. We went outside, and we were, like, just standing out in the middle of the wind. It was... Bring it, Mother Nature. Yeah, come on. That's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fun. Yeah. But we didn't... No one got hurt, so that was good. Yeah, we had a good time. Spent some time with family, and now we're back. And so. the sharks. It's Shark yeah. Week right now as we record this. I'm so excited. Is it really? I watch it, yeah, most evenings. It's this week? Yeah, right now. Love mm-hmm. it. I love Shark It won't week. be by the time this... this podcast episode comes out but shark week's awesome and there have been a lot of shark bites along the coast it's up big time something to have to do with covid i'm sure definitely yep uh i I texted you guys last night i don't know if you guys have any words there was an espn personality that stepped into some hot water Mm. i got no words (laughs) do you want to say i got nothing i got nothing i don't know yeah that was that was probably not the the best thing to say well i think it's worth bringing up because we talk a lot about this crap on here i like sports let's talk about Stephen a yep 
And if you don't know who Stephen A., it's that guy that Stephen yells on the TV all the time. If you Google him, most, you will realize that you do know who he is. Yeah. Everybody kind of knows mostly who he is. Mostly an NBA reporter, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, when I texted you guys, Russ texted me back, Stephen who? I didn't see. The, well, <laughs> yeah, I had no the idea. Way, the way your text was, I didn't see the A. <clears throat> I just saw Stephen. I thought, you thought so I, thought, I, I thought he was going to say, no. Pastor Stephen Furtick said something about a baseball player? Why would that matter? Well, what he and, said was, uh, the best of my understanding, was that the best player in baseball right now, the All-Star game, mm-hmm. was this past week, and it's the best week of baseball. So Dude, that was an incredible Did you watch the home, home run derby? I watched every bit of it. It it's, was amazing. I don't care if you like Lonto, baseball or not. Oh, it, it was is, intense. It's awesome. It was incredible. It's awesome. I so, don't even watch the All-Star game. I watched the home run derby. So it's Mancini, amazing. Yep. the guy who's in the finals. Yeah, guy had cancer, cancer yeah, a year so ago. I amazing. saw him. He played in... He came up in the Orioles organization. That's who he plays for right now. Yeah. And he played with Drew Doe, who's the local guy who I used to hit baseball with all the time. Yeah. He's the head It was a great story. Now. I was like pulling but for I, him, but Alonzo was other. just, look. They played with each other in double A. Oh, really? For, they came up with each yeah. other. Yeah. And, uh, and so now he's, you know, winning or coming in second place in That's, the home run derby. That was a cool story. But, yeah, fun to watch. Otani was awesome. Up. But Otani, Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. is this Amazing. five Japanese player. Pitcher. Pitcher, best hitter in the they league. They call him a two-way hitter, a two-way player. He pitches and he hits, which is people don't do that. It hasn't really happened. Well, they do since, it in one league. It hasn't happened since Babe Ruth. They do it in one league. But I'm saying that no <laughs> yes, one since Babe Ruth. Yeah, they don't. My cousin. <laughs> what? Babe Ruth is my cousin. That's no, he's not, not true. He no, he's not. Yeah, he is. You're still 14th. thinking about Sandlot. From no, no, he's my 14th cousin. Your 14th. My cousin. dad's 13th cousin. What 23 of you did you? No, my dad's my dad's um, mom. Her last name was Ruth before she married my before my grandfather and became a Moor. So it was Ruth all the way down there from Baltimore. Wow. Yep. Hmm. So my dad's related. I feel like we should stop the episode and do a part two. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, 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 it didn't translate into my genes. I was not the greatest baseball player in the world. I did play, but little wow. league. But yeah, so he's Are my, you serious? Yeah, he's my 14th cousin. Wow. Why wow. did you not bring that up in your message? I, I thought about it afterwards. Like, I should have probably mentioned it. I just didn't think it was that. Relevant. I've known you for a long time, and I've never known that you're Babe Ruth's grandson. Pretty, pretty distant grandson. <laughs> pretty distant cousin, okay? Yeah. Wow. So that, that's okay. So anyways, back well, to back Babe to Ruth Stephen A. And wait a minute. We can, okay, Otani. So so Shohei Otani. No one's done what he's done since your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so he's the best. I mean, everybody. Okay, he, but look, listen. My great grandfather Hank Aaron stop. once. What you're making stuff up now? Maybe my brother's my great Jeter. <laughs> my great grandfather. Invented airmail. Did you know that? That's not true. No, it's true. I don't. No, okay. I actually write about. I actually write about it in my book. Okay. I had, my grandparents had a trophy in what their house. Fact check it from Wilbur and or- Orville Wright. They can. It's on there. Benjamin B. Lipsner. He was a captain in the army. He was tasked with uh, inventing airmail. So it was back when Pony Express and all that. Mm-hmm. So he was the one that actually came up with a lot of the original routes. You just air from greatness. I just I, mean, I was on my mom's side, but it was interesting because there was this trophy that they all, my grandparents always had in their house. And it was like a pilot that had like these long like wings that had goggles, whatever. And it was given to their father, which would be Benjamin, so my great grandfather, by Orville and Wilbur Wright. Do you mind telling me what airmail is? <laughs> okay, so it 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 basic. I do my book, so just get a copy okay. of the book and you'll right. see. So airmail is how all mail travels around our country. It goes in the air. Mm. So they created routes, and back then, flying, we're talking about over 100 years ago, and the idea of flying 
uh, mail from different routes was kind of a foreign thing. Mm. There wasn't a lot. Of, I mean, we're talking about there wasn't a lot of avionics at the time. But so early and in the, the military was actually tasked with that from the original general postmaster. Mm-hmm. So, again, most mail, when you wanted to send mail, it was Pony Express. In mm-hmm. other words, you sent mail and it would get to somebody in New York in about a week or yeah, two. I think that's a Christmas so, movie. No, I don't think it was a Christmas movie. So, anyways, it's just I, I wouldn't think it would be a thing, but the Smithsonian yeah. actually had a wax uh, figure of him in it, the Postal Museum, mm. for a very long time. I don't still is. Did they give it to you when they were? They in gave the no. It's weird. So for a while, they would put different things, and they had it um, in the Postal uh, Smithsonian Museum, and then they offered it to my grandparents. They're like, here, do you want the wax figure of your dead dad? You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, no, I think we'll donate it. So they donated it something else. So I can't remember. They I don't, said no? I don't think they wanted a wax figure of him in the yeah. house, but it was donated back to something else. I and, relate to this. Okay. A long time ago, they cremated my cousin, Thomas Edison, and they tried to put him in a uh, <laughs> ceramic oh. box. And, so show and, him and, and he lit, and he lit oh, up a gosh. light bulb from his ashes. Okay. <laughs> This, is, this episode you is going with us great. So far, are we, we just want to How would you feel if you your kids you. gave away your wax statue? <laughs> there is something like that. It's strange. I've got some, it's some weird things. My grandparents on my mom's side have a very interesting okay, story. So we this can is going to be sometime. a good conversation. They rub shoulders with A-list celebrities. Let me wrap interesting. my note yes. up oh. on Shohei Otani because we were talking about that. <laughs> is that what we were talking about? So Stephen A., the guy who talks like this all the time, he just is the kind of... What was that? What was that? What kind of? What was that? You know what I'm talking about. And his hair lines up here. I don't know what that is. I pity the fool. (laughs) That's exactly right. But he was in the same episode of First Take. No words. This show that he hosts. In the very same episode, he said he was saying how it's it's bad for baseball that the best player can't speak English. Yeah. Wow. That's so, basically what he was saying, and he was trying to say it from a marketing angle. It's not great for the growing clip, it. The oh, clip that I so heard was bad. the clip that I heard was this, and I, this is oh. if you're listening, this is not like live audio. I know it's going to sound a lot like him. He said, he said, the best player in baseball can't have a translator. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. It was. I can't oh. believe he said it. Yeah, it's it was very. So bad. Was he? None of this matters. Was this, he saying it in a joking way no. or no? It he was saying that it's not beneficial for baseball as an American pastime, right. as a sport, to grow their base when the best player can't speak English and really, I think, like be able to connect with the crowd or the audience as but well. Honestly, I think that's what he was trying to say. That's part of the man, guy's it, mystique is that he doesn't speak English or, I, or can't speak well. Yeah. So He's an cool. incredible player and person. Like, when you say, yeah. like, I was pulling nice for guy. him the whole time. I was yeah. like, please, I want to see him yeah. destroy it. And that was kind of bummed. He went out in the first round. The guy, a side note, he doesn't even take batting practice. He's the best hitter in Major League Baseball in that at the home run derby. He's hit that 33 was homers before in the, first the, in the first half. That was his first time taking batting practice this year which if you which ever it, play baseball you know that that's wow. ridiculous anyway he is insanely gifted in the same episode Stephen a <laughs> talks about the nigerian basketball team <laughs> beating usa did you hear that oh, i know they did yeah no, no, no. did you hear what he said i didn't hear what he said he said he was talking about their names and he was trying to read it and he goes uh whatever his name is oh. 
and wouldn't no. pronounce his name. I mean, just it was a bad day uh, that's, for CNA, that's not real good. bad. And so the last couple of days, he's been issuing apologies. Oh. And yeah. I don't know if it's his apology, his, how his, aggressive he talks. His video apology was not good either. I don't know if it's like him just talking so like uh, you know larger than life. Yeah. It just doesn't sound like he's saying sorry. Doesn't say, <laughs> well, he wasn't in the his video. I'm so his, sorry because I feel like <laughs> his video wasn't really an apology. I think it was more of an explanation slash excuse for this is what I was really saying. So stop yeah. trying to twist it. But I think yeah. then more the heat came. It was a written. <clears throat> Apology that was posted that was and uh, I don't know I, I think that up, it's upper very, management made him do that. It was very fascinating to watch them try to ESPN try to circle back on that whole thing yesterday, mm. and to watch Stephen A try to circle back, <laughs> and to watch like social media keep hold him accountable. Yeah, it's, and it's it's weird mixture because what a lot of Stephen A was saying, trust me. I'm sorry because I'm a black man and I've experienced this before. So trust me because I'm black. I'm a black man. He said that over and over mm. again in this apology, which I'm wow. sure that you know, does hold some weight. But at the same time, <laughs> there was a lot of other uh, black people. Uh, Emmanuel. Uh, oh, I didn't come out. He's another broadcaster. He won. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Two people together. Um, Emmanuel. He's the guy that he the guy won who an does award the, for. Um, the conversations, uncomfortable yes. conversations yep. with the black yeah. Um, he he was holding Stephen A. Smith accountable, yeah. and it was just because wow. he's Nigerian too. And yeah. It was just this whole thing. So firestorm. I don't know. I think that's that's gonna be a fascinating cultural thing to see play out. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, obviously want people to, you know, forgive people and want people to be, you know, apologetic. Not and treat cancel nice. them, but yeah. I think we're past cancel culture. What do you guys think? Ooh, we'll, we'll find out with I, Stephen A. I think we will be. I don't know that we are. I think we're past it. You do? Yeah. Why is that? I think it's. I, I don't seen? think we're past it. Maybe I think we've surpassed the climax of it. Maybe, because time will tell. I don't know how. To, I just I don't, don't think people are cancelable what? anymore. Cancelable? Yeah, cancelable? like you look at Roseanne Barr. Okay. Yeah. She was for sure canceled, but she also still has a platform. Mm-hmm. So did you really cancel her? You know what I mean? Is she really? Canceled? If you lose employment. Based on something, I would say you were canceled. Doesn't necessarily mean you would lose well, you your were platform. Fired. That's what I'm saying. Doesn't mean you're. Canceled. I would say same thing. Fired. No, canceled. I think canceled is more your influence. Like we're not listening to you anymore. We're not canceled following you social. anymore. Canceled is I'm gonna socially blacklist. Cancel. Right? Yeah, but no. But real cancel culture usually has financial and other implications. I think about, for example, this. Here's an example. Right, we go back during. Um, the political climate, and there was a certain pastor of a larger church down in the South that had uh, posted or had liked a few of Donald Trump's uh, posts or something that it very created conservative a, posts. very conservative posts that turned into a firestorm that ended up having contracts where they had locations at their church canceled. Mm. Like they were, I mean, that's when I think a cancel got like they were canceled. So, I mean, I. I'm sure there's fire storm, but it wasn't from his own platform and his own people. It was from the media and surrounding things, and they lost, they lost buildings and facilities and things that they were using for the church because of it. So I guess I think about that when I think of canceled more than I do. You lose your influence. I think about losing your job, losing that kind of platform. Hmm. Usually media, but I don't know. Maybe we're past it. That'd be great. What do you think? I don't think we're past it, but I hope that you're right that we're getting past the peak of it I just think I think coming out of this year I think with everything that happened last year I mean good and bad to raise awareness to things I think that whole people realizing how much they can leverage 
that side of things, whether through social media or through influence mm-hmm. or through canceling, I think there are certain issues that uh, people are actually just now realizing, okay, we can get, get jump on the bandwagon to leverage this to further our agenda. Do you think Donald Trump should be banned off of uh, all his social media accounts? <laughs> Any volunteers? Uh, go first, here, I'll, I'll go back. I'll step back. I don't want to necessarily I <clears throat> just address that one person, him, but I think there's a bigger concern over individual companies, and yes, they're privately held, who have the control to say who is banned and who isn't banned. So I think it, to me, a bigger issue comes down to that that type of, um, I guess, dictating what is heard and what isn't heard. I think that's a bigger issue. I, I think it's a bigger question right now. Yeah. I don't think that... You saw Donald Trump sued. Yes. Face, they big sued? tech, quote big tech. Right. Yeah. For censorship and all right. sorts yeah. of things like that. They're looking for people to... That big announcement he made the other day. Right. Did you see that? I didn't. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's big. I'm, if it's on social media, I didn't see it. So someone has to tell me. Well, he's not on social media, so... Oh, oh so I guess... <laughs> yeah. So it was on some other form of media. Good point. What was it? What was you it? and Donald Trump are similar. We are way. similar. And that is the only way we're similar. He so, rode horseback through a lot of towns throwing out the news. You must not have been around when oh, he did it. I wasn't there He said he, he delivered that news via airmail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> your stepdad. <laughs> Man, that one, you hit that joke. Great grandfather. Like, well Bruce. done, though. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about none what of are we talking things. about? Well, that's great. Just, what about you? We haven't really like. Yeah, what about you? What do you mean, what about What me? do you think? You think Donald Trump should be on Facebook, <clears throat> Instagram, Twi- Twitter, the Twitter machine? I think if he was smart, he would start a TikTok. He was trying to. There's been a whole uprising of a totally different platform. What would that look like? I'm trying. There's <laughs> another platform. What is it? Have you heard of it? Talking about Parler? No. Par- no, it wasn't Parler. Parler. The conservative wasn't Parler. There was another one, I thought, that they were someone was investing you're, you're in. You're thinking about MySpace. That's older. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have them? <laughs> it's good to have you back. It really is. I need a little bit of rust in my life. Oh. I, uh, Do you think he should be on it? Um, I think that, I think, wow, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, 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 I do think he should be, I yes. do. I don't I think, think there I should be censorship do. for it. I don't, I don't, yeah. whether I, I agree with that, some or all of this, I don't think there should be the censorship of it. I, th- I think it's one of those, uh, catch 22s was like, yeah, you banned him off of social media, but you haven't taken away his platform. You've only empowered a base of people to feel more strongly about what he's saying if you think he's lying. And so let everybody have their fair share. And mm-hmm. I think one point that, that they make that I agree with, the, like the Trump people and, and that office that he had, like they always say, well, Hamas has a Twitter and yeah. blatant right. yeah. self-proclaimed terrorist organizations have Twitters. And yeah. so people that, you know, torture and kill homosexuals and, uh, run countries that have no women's rights. They have right. Twitters. So why can't he have a Twitter? If, because you would say that he's lying and spreading misinformation. It's like, I, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like a pretty valid point. I think that you get into really scary territory right there. And when Bernie Sanders is saying that Trump should not be suspended off of Twitter, I think that yeah. we need to have that's a national a, that's discussion. A, yeah. yeah. So. Well, yeah. and I think they have been. I think it's it's that whole big tech and those companies that's that's been a dialogue in Congress for a while. I don't think it's what they're focused on, but whether or not, I mean, 
I, I will say this it doesn't make me afraid. Like I, I think yeah. that some people are like, oh my gosh, they're banning, they're shadow banning everybody. Like I honestly think that social media is people assume that it it is the only way to communicate with people, and it's just not. There's so many different platforms out there that you can. Well, what's interesting is that even if Donald Trump does not have Twitter or some of those, he can still put things out and say them in the regular media. To the point where everybody else will then post it. Yeah, like every, he had, yeah, like he, true, like he but has, that's, you know. that's true. But I mean, he tried to the from the desk of Donald Trump, which flopped yeah. immediately. So yeah. it's, I agree with you in some but sense. He does put out those statements that, and, and every time he does put out a statement, saying, every news, right. every news organization is on the Today Show. It's on NBC. It's on CNN. Which means but, it's but, on but, every social but media you can't, platform. But you can't ignore the fact or deny the fact that. At least for a few months there, he did not have the daily coverage of his voice being heard. And and his voice died down dramatically. Well, he was there playing a, a lot months. of golf. Yes, but we don't know what would have happened if he would have had it. I think it's really interesting. I agree with you. I, don't, I just I think censorship's a really bad road to go down. And I think there's people that you could always argue. Okay, why would this person, like you said, Hamas, or I mean, you had the 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 influencer. What was it a, a few weeks ago that tweeted something um, uh, complimentary mm-hmm. about Hitler? Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, but I do think it's really interesting. Yeah, and what it, people have been tweeting through the whole uh, Israel and Palestine. Yes, thing yeah. about. I mean, uh, what, there's what, just it, it is new territory though, because like, yeah. you know, in theory, theoretically, these platforms are theory, supposed to be completely utilitarian, um, and so there's supposed to be a place where anybody can can use them, and there's no agenda coming from the platform. At the same time, these guys that own these platforms um, understandably should feel a responsibility um, to where if what they're using, what they're providing is being used in a harmful way, at some point it is understandable to where it's like, okay, this is a utilitarian. We believe in free speech. Okay, if this is being used in a way that's causing harm, what response? I mean, these are the questions I would be asking. What responsibility do I have in this moment uh, as a part of this? Mm -hmm. So it it is – I do think it's a little bit grayer yeah. than we than we realize it is. Well, I think it, I agree, and with I do you. understand back in January six why there was at least the conversation. I'm not saying right or wrong. I do I do understand that moment why there was at least an immediate knee jerk reaction of oh wow what what's our part to play? Yeah. We've had a lot of people putting pressure from both sides. Yeah. See so. now I disagree with the. I don't think it's Twitter's job to mediate that. I don't think it's. So what are you going to do? You're going to. Let's keep Donald Trump off of Twitter, but let's allow articles from CNN that talk about his last couple of weeks in office. Let's allow people to paint a truth of what's happening and not him to give an opportunity to present what he believes is truth. I'm not saying that he's right about everything. I'm just saying that that idea is very anti-American and dangerous to go down, understanding the complete double standard that, like, it, it, with our gut. Okay, so. For example, and I'm not trying to get into a super political conversation, but about January 6th, if January 6th was something that happened because of Donald Trump, guess what? Guess who doesn't get to make that decision? Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Guess who does? The checks and balances of our country. We already have a governmental system that's supposed to take care of all of those things. Yeah, but that but it can't in a digital age. I mean, checks and balances through legislature is something that takes weeks and months. And like we talked about in our two weeks, when we talked about the digital dilemma that we're in of misinformation, we've never been in this sphere where someone in the highest places of power can say something and no one knows what's true or false. And when things that are, are 
adamantly false are said that incite violence. I'm, again, I'm not, I agree it's a dangerous road to go down. I'm not saying they were right or wrong to do that, but I do understand how in certain moments, if you have people that are in a high place of leadership, if they are promoting what is understood to be false and the owners of that feel like that is inciting violence and harm and danger, I do think it's understandable for them to at least consider and ask, what is my responsibility as the owner of this company through which this violence is happening? I, again, I think that would be great if that, was, if that happened to any other organization or entity other than Donald Trump, but it doesn't. It, is violence, is violence the, is that what they're saying the litmus test is for having a Twitter account? That's active. Like, is 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 the is the um, presence of violence? Is it a lie? What are the? Well, I would double down on and ask more questions. Just what's that standard? What's the Donald Trump standard? Because if it, yeah, we're not, in new territory. He's also not the only politician that's ever lied to us. Right. Right. Yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's what I, I mean. Is he the only politician that's ever said a lie? He's exactly. the only politician that's ever said something that's driven people to violence. Is it? You know what I mean? I, 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 I I'm not saying that what he did was right. I'm saying that w- it does take months and years and people who can shape public opinion to paint a different picture. Not let's let Twitter and Facebook and Instagram funnel what doesn't doesn't go out so they can shape public opinion it's like it's going to take an equal voice of influence to um to present an al- an alternate option to a donald trump for the people that follow him right and that's i think that's going to that's going to take another person who can who can persuade and who can lead that's a person but it's not going to be twitter right you know yeah i, I yeah i get i guess the thing is you know, going back to Matt's argument when he was here, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- he's done all his PhD research on the fact that as much as we would like to buy into this notion that social media is neutral, it's not. It's not just neutral for people to see stuff and say, oh, this may or may not. Like every single person is bombarded by algorithms and bombarded by we've never been in this age of misinformation and yes not every lie can be vetted and not every violence can be stopped but i guess what i'm saying and again i'm not saying they were right to ever suspend him and i don't think he should be suspended now and i do agree that there are double standards on both sides but in that area of those extraordinary circumstances in which we've not had an attack on our own i mean they understandably probably feel an ownership over america more than they do what happens in other countries other countries they don't have free speech they don't need to worry about what hamas is saying because they have their own propaganda through the media so it's not like that's going to affect you know it, to the degree of what the leader of that specific nation is that they are operating their social media platforms under so you look back to that specific day and we hadn't had an attack on you know the on our democracy or on the hill since what 18 whatever it was like i to me i guess i'm just saying i can at least appreciate how that would drive them to ask the kind of questions you're saying of what is our role in this yeah it's just it's it's a really hard well what's interesting is you have no historical um experience to compare it to because even if you look and go okay well in this particular um, moment of history, there was this kind of attack or this kind of violence or what uprising, whatever. You, you never had social media platforms at that time have a play in it. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's a, it's a it's a very interesting question moving forward, because as much like you said, they're not neutral in the, in regards to the algorithms. So they've written them, they've written algorithms so that they can make money, mm-hmm. right? They're not neutral. In other words, you're gonna get you're gonna see a lot more of whatever it is that you normally search for, right? Right. You, they've, but the the challenge is that you also have people who are running these organizations that are privately held that have their own subject sure. opinions on what is fact and isn't fact. Right. Or you know what I mean? Like that's I mean that's even a big question today is what's true right. anymore. Right. And now we're arguing over what's fact and what's not fact anymore. Right. That used to never be a thing. And now yeah. we are. Now we're going, that's not true. Yes it is, that's not true. These are the facts. I think the misunderstanding would be to say that that information in the past hasn't been siloed or slanted. There's been propaganda that's been pushed yep. for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's just the speed and the rate. Yeah. But who's to say And the manipulation of us. Yes, but who's Psychologically. to Psychologically. Maybe it's just happening at such a rate that we are more aware of the manipulation now than ever. Because the manipulation has been happening for a long time. It's human nature. I mean, it's the right-wing papers and the left-wing papers back when it used to be papers. Now mm-hmm. it's just on your phone, and mm-hmm. instead of the papers in your town and instead of just the four that you read every day it's the five different social media and news apps that you have on your phone and i it's the same but it's different i would actually say that the positive spin is that people when they absorb news in 2021 they hold it lighter most i, I think, you think so i think that i will think be, the new generation how about will. this yes i agree i, I think the young people I think people around my age, the shift I've seen, I think that the older generation that's used to, basically I think there's a cutoff of when you can remember reading a newspaper, a physical newspaper. I think you are responding to this age of tech differently than my generation and younger. I think they are holding it much much more loosely instead of – uh, instead of aligning values with a news organization or an entity, I think it's people are are finding these individuals and kind of forming mm-hmm. an opinion based on a conglomerate of sources. And so I think that I do think there's a wisdom that we could learn from a younger generation yes. in the way we hold news right now. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think it's all a bad thing, but I do think it's just back to that. It's just a horrendous precedent in my mind to ban people like yep. sometimes we just have to I let agree. things play out because and i'm not trying to make the, i know this is an argument that one side makes but there was an attack on the capitol and also last summer we were burning down police precincts mm-hmm. okay i'm not what i'm saying is both are bad both are government entities institutions right. and both are statements okay so we need to go you know sure but i think the argument would be um both were horrible but the argument that they would make is one was based on what they would call misinformation coming from the top down. The other was the disillusionment and anger of a group of people based on stuff they had actually experienced for a long time. Right, but I don't, I don't necessarily – that's assuming that burning down the precincts was an actual picture of that disillusionment or just – I don't think that the majority of people that were disillusioned were the people that were burning down Absolutely buildings. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Right, but I think they would argue that people weren't burning down buildings because someone in power was spreading false information. I, I think that's what their argument would be, if that would be the difference. I, I, my point is, is that the presence of violence 
is that what deems banning on Twitter? Because I think that if we're going to say that the presence of violence, oh, there was something violent and people broke into the Capitol and did this or that, that that's what that's what we would say. Because, okay, if that's the standard, then we got to have a standard, not just because we don't like Donald Trump. Absolutely. And that's the... That's the part well, where I, I think it'll be. I think that is going to be hopefully. I mean, he, Trump doesn't have a great history hiring lawyers that really do a really great job for him. Yeah. But I I hope for the sake of the country we can actually have a a twenty twenty one conversation about tech free speech. Yes. And yeah. uh, I mean, we are definitely wherever. You think side the government's going to? You think the government's going to be able to manipulate change that? Oh, I I hope that people are they a lot have smarter in the past. than me can figure that out. <laughs> they have in the past. So you know, you, you you have organizations that had monopolies in a market, mm-hmm. and the government would come in and say you can't monopolize in the market, mm-hmm. even if you paid and put all the infrastructure in. So you know, you have WorldCom, you have different ones that had um, you know the internet or like I mean they they passed laws that allow. Hey, even if you put in the underground utilities to this, you put that, you have to now allow other companies to come and go sell their product on your stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, what happened was it, that infrastructure became so necessary by the country that the government stepped in and said, wait a minute, and, it, and it, it's, you can't own this monopoly. Well, you'll you have can to. Make, you can make the same argument <clears throat> about social media stuff. Yeah, that has a, become a such a yeah, and that and I think that is what's going on. And those are the questions, and so it's interesting because you got private companies mm-hmm. that create that have come up with new ideas and private stuff, and they get so big and have so much effect on the world. Like mm-hmm. we see that it, it literally it has impact on the world. The government steps in and then says, "Wait a minute, there need to be regulations." And so that's going to be the interesting thing is if the government is going to enforce regulations and if that happens, then I think you'll see change. I don't think you'll see a change until the government does it. That's a really great point, bringing up the monopolization of, um, let's just say the country, but really the world. You you think about the way that Amazon's going right now. Yeah. And you think about, so Amazon bought Whole Foods, right? And Mm -hmm, they're, they're attempting to create a model of where these... Um, social media companies kind of own a conglomerate of things. It's where you shop. It's where you spend most of your time. Uh, wouldn't you say, I mean, how could these social media companies not be considered a monopoly? These days? Google, oh, yeah. Apple, yeah. Oh. Facebook, who owns Instagram, yeah. and whatever else they own. And oh, it is. It's, it's a monopoly on information. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's a monopoly on how information is processed, and it's a monopoly on marketing. That's a big deal. I mean, it's a, it, we don't talk about that a lot these days, but isn't it, I mean, there's a government contract that's being written right now. Uh, they're creating some sort of like super cloud for the Pentagon mm. and they just, Microsoft was in, in on it and won the bid and then they backed out or there was some <laughs> disagreement about something. And so here you got Google and you got AWS and which is Amazon and you got, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft back in on the bidding to host the government cloud. And you just think, man, these are just the the biggest of the biggest companies that mm-hmm. are that control most of everything. And so my point uh, when I was talking about Amazon and Whole Foods is that they're saying that Facebook is looking to buy Target. Wow. Ooh. And really? Yeah. And so there's these that's a model that once <laughs> What is even, the point of well, I wonder why. I 
even Spotify was, they were looking at buying different, like, um, mm. becoming one of those big, I don't know. I just, I think in my mind, a fascinating conversation. Yeah. That is fascinating. So none of that was what we were going to talk about. <laughs> I know. Why do we talk about all that? I like it, though. Okay. Current events. This was just current events. It's current events. But I do want to talk about, maybe we can just focus the last 20 minutes or so of our conversation. <laughs> um, I was talking with my barber today. We were talking about all of the help wanted signs mm. that we see around. Yeah. And if you're listening, I'm sure you you know somebody, maybe you own a company and you're looking for work. We, there's just this really strange like tectonic shift in the workforce these days. And I think leading up to this point in time, and who knows even what information comes out the couple of weeks from when we recorded this to when we release it. But I think the assumption was that we're just recovering from a season of mass layoffs and um, unemployment benefits that have been increased to help kind of tie, uh, to help uh, help people through the pandemic, and those benefits were extended. And um, I think that there's just been a we we've all assumed that that was why we've had this shortage of workers mm. in different places. But now that those benefits are drying up, we've seen that companies are still having trouble hiring people. Yep. And I know, I mean, I was just talking to a business owner the other day. I said they usually operate around 120 employees, and now they only have 78. Wow. And they've got these really great jobs that are open and require skill, but they'll pay for you to learn the skill. And and people, there's nobody anywhere yeah. and so that wants those jobs. And so maybe speak into that. What do you think is happening? What's your, what's your take on it? Is it just an unemployment thing? Is it just a people don't want to work thing? Is it laziness? It, I, man, I, I think it, I don't. There's a lot of economists and other people that are actually trying to figure it out right now. I've, I've actually read some stuff on it, and it was kind of fascinating to see how many. Um, there was a, a study, that, a survey that just came out. Again, it's a s- small sample survey. I think they surveyed like 5,000 people nationwide. It just got released on Forbes, I think, today. Really? And, it was a, and, and so they were asking like people that had not gone back to work um, one of the questions was, what is the primary reason you did not go back to work and remain on unemployment benefits? And they found that um, about 45% of the people that rejected jobs, there were people, a lot of people rejected job offers during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. About 45% of people that rejected the job offers in the pandemic um, w- said it had something to do with um, financial means. And but only uh, it turned out that it only about 13 percent. I was reading this survey, but only about 13 percent of them said that it was more beneficial for them to remain on unemployment than it was to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And so I think a big debate that's been going on right now around this has been, OK, is the problem that we're giving people money and so they're not incentivized to go back to work or is it and, and who's been the most impacted low wage, low hour um, type of jobs? Um, or is it, um, is it kind of the opposite side because we're not paying people enough, you know? And like, so there's others too. The political argument has come back to, we got to stop giving them money. In fact, you see states right now, several of them, there's like 26 different states that are actually cutting short the additional unemployment benefits early because they think those, those are the reasons why people aren't going back to work. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a few of the states, and it depends on what political side you're on you know, and how people in that argument. Whereas other people are arguing and go, see, this is why we need to raise the minimum wage. 
because it's it's it's, it's fascinating. I, I I think there's just a lot of nuance to to why it is. I think um, just uh, if you if you see those stats and you go, it's really um, there was an economist for Bank of America that came out and said you had to be making less than about thirty two thousand dollars a year for it to actually be more advantageous to stay on unemployment benefits than it would be to go back to work. Yeah, that's fascinating. So so it's not it's not that it was like well you're making a ton of money doing this, and, you know so so. It does seem like the the industry that has hit the uh, the most they actually call it the leisure and hospitality, which covers your service, mm-hmm. your food service, where all those that is the industry that's been hit the hardest. It does have the lowest paying jobs, mostly of of other ones. That and government, government was like number two when I was looking this up, mostly because of educational. There's been mass layoff because of educational stuff. They think a lot of that will come back as people go back to school and things like that, but. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I mean, what I think do you think it is. Well, I, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think I'll throw out a few. Just I mean, to, you thoughts. are a pastor. So yeah. So I God, obviously know. What has God told you? Um, about yeah. God, um, <laughs> I, I'll throw out a, a, a few that I that I kind of one or two reasons that I saw that I saw during the pandemic that I think is very real still. I think there is a small. There's a percentage of it that's fear. There's still people that are very worried and concerned. There's a bigger percentage, which when they did this one survey, I was looking, the number one thing was not, uh, it, would, it was too, not enough money. Um, the number one thing was childcare. Mm. So I remember during the pandemic, there was, that was a legitimate issue of parents trying to like, hey, your kids can't go to school anymore. You go, well, how am I supposed to work? Yeah. You know? And so childcare is a bit of an issue. Oh, um, I, I think too, cause you're talking about the people, many of the people that are in the demographic of working in probably those lower wage jobs are probably younger. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that, I think there's a lot of mental, um, this has been very taxing for especially the younger generation, mm-hmm. I think through this season, I think there's uh, the, the re-entry into the workplace is maybe a little bit scary or whatever. I also think, here's a real simplistic answer, 21 to 30 days to form a new habit. I think, just like anything else, why do I say this? Because I see the same thing in church attendance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? People, and I've, I've had conversations with people from our church who've like, yeah, man, I, just, I, need, I need to get back. I just, yeah, it's like, and it. they were like, man, it's just really hard. We just got into this habit, and then I've got this thing and this thing that's going on. And so I wonder, I've seen it in, like, all of my, my friends who are in ministry that I talk to them, and the average of people back in person attending is still somewhere, like, under 65% of what it was, 50 to 65% of what it was pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wonder in that same, and I know it's different than going to church is different than work and needing that because I think as soon as these unemployment insurance benefits are going to run up real soon, th- you're going to see an influx of jobs, but they're saying it's still nowhere near. We still are, we're still like, even if you have an influx of those people who said, uh, you know, they're in that wage, they go, I got to make a job, I got a job and go back. We're still down millions and millions of jobs. And so I just wonder how much of this plays into people got into a habit of, I, I, I didn't go to work, or they're now looking at a new way of working. Hey, I don't want to go work at some place for 40 hours a week. Like, I, I'm looking for a job where I can do remote, where I can do hybrid, where I don't have to go in all the time. And so as long as you got money coming in, you'll take your time to. Do you think it's a temporary thing? Yeah, I do. The job situation and the economy, I do. I think it'll. I think it'll play itself out. I'm not freaked out about. It. I really do. I think everything. I think because everything. You're not in the food service I think, industry. I think every. Well, yeah, freak out if you're in the food service <laughs> industry. But here's what I know about America: we will never stop buying food from fast food and restaurants. It's true. 
We will never. I, I do think a lot of that, but it's just like what happens with markets, what happens with other things, they always end up balancing each other out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it stays the same, but there's something that always corrects. See, we now, have a very self-correcting economy. I think it's a huge deal. I think that we're gonna. I think this is gonna be one of the many things that will forever be changed. You are so hyperbolic. When you talk, it is the biggest thing that happened in the. No, 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 you're wrong. Twenty first century. I. It is though because (laughs) all of the things that happen right now. Yes. You can work Mm. from any. You can work for any company anywhere in the country, or I can. Yes. You, you mean if you get employed by them? If you're looking yes. for a job, no longer yeah. does your geography have anything to do with your employment. No, I don't necessarily agree with that. So if you want to work at McDonald's, you tell me your geography doesn't play. You want to work at Walmart, you're telling me it doesn't? If I, I'm saying that you can go online and take you five seconds to apply for a job where you can work from your house whether that's a customer service job, whether that I mean you don't have to go to a call center to answer phones anymore. There's but no- you act like that's the only kind of employment there is. You'll never do away with service employment. You'll never do away I'm with hospitality it's a whole employment. New category of work that has been created because of what everybody has had to learn, which is how to operate and function remote. And so now there is a whole shiny new category of jobs called remote. And so I, I can live in Columbus, Ohio. I was just talking to one of my friends who works for a tech startup company out of San Francisco. Works remote. Makes you can sense. if you work for Makes a tech sense. startup company out of San Francisco. I totally it's agree. A company. Hey, you, I mean, I got it. I agree. You can work for Google. Oh. You can work for Facebook. Absolutely. You can work for Those MLB. are hospitality and service you can department. Work for, I'm that's just where most saying, of the jobs were lost. I'm not but that's what I'm there's a, a whole new category of jobs that has opened up that is going to affect the job category you're talking about. Sure. There's new options. Even look at, I mean, like, uh, you can be, there's, it's a new economy. You can be a DoorDash driver, an Uber driver, a Lyft driver. You can, there's so many things you can do. This is a whole new world. But that, that existed before. Not being to the an scale Uber that it does driver, right now. Uh, being all those kind of drivers. Not to the existed. scale that it does right now. And I think what you said about childcare is very real. Sure. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think we're, I know Russ agrees with me. I see a look on his face. <laughs> no. This is a big I, I deal, man. This is a real big it's deal. It's a big deal, yeah. but I don't think we've uh, solved the problem. Well, I didn't want to make the point because I want to make the last point on Russ <laughs> Oh. What point am I riffing on? I, I mean, I, there is on, on I that last question, right, I think, me or him? There, it's, it's not either or. You did not even say anything to what I just said. See, I saw, just, I'll just tell you, this is not, without answering the question, I saw a classic case of miscommunication here just now because I think what you originally. asked me a question and I answered Well, it. what he originally said was yeah. that, there's, that any job can be affected um, or can, can be remote or can be transferable anywhere in the world. I think, and I said no, I, and I think more the point he was making, which I agree with, is I do believe th- this past year has radically shifted uh, the options and the playing field and the economy of how jobs work and what kind of jobs there are. I agree with that. I think you took what he said literally. To, to mean that every that's job a, transfer. It was a literal statement. So that's yeah, my observation. Yeah, it was a yeah. literal <laughs> statement. He said you can work anywhere. Geography <laughs> does not matter anymore. I'm you like, you can't work anywhere. 
You can work anywhere. <laughs> from your place. But from I mean, where you, you live. Yes, you can you move. You can't say like, oh, if I'm currently employed at McDonald's, you go in and tell your boss that I'm working from home today. You can't do that. You, that's what but that I was, was saying. My point. But those <laughs> are the jobs in question okay, that are the majority I, of the answer, problems. You, then you can here's here's the deal. For the season what was our employment up unemployment up to when at the height of this thing? Twenty percent, nineteen percent? Uh no. We were at twenty point five million okay. people. So I don't know what the percentage was. One third of restaurants. If, if it happened the way they said it was on track to happen, shut down. And so you, those people aren't going back to food service is the problem. But what I'm saying is... So you think those buildings are going to stay empty and that there are not other restaurants that are going to come in and replace them? There's I didn't not say a, that. There's not the demand anymore. I'm saying that if... if what would you say? One-third of restaurants? <laughs> One-third. Okay. One-third of local restaurants. So there's one-third of food service employees that could... Do you, do you, do you buy that stat? Go drive around here. You should see a third of all of the restaurants slash whatever here. Let's just look in any town. Do you think a third of them are shut down? No, but we're also in mid-America. Okay. So that stat is taking uh, in consideration California. Well, California would be 100% of them were shut. No, they're not. And right. I don't – and then again, How that's did what, you stay alive in California? Dude, so awful. You I didn't. Mean, did you, you see left. that one video of the, of the woman who she got shut – she built this huge patio. I heard it. For the outdoor yeah. dining. And they shut her down. They spent all this money. And they said that you could build – you could do outdoor. You can yeah. open outdoors. So she spent all this money on this nice patio. Yep. She could operate outdoors. And then they changed their mind they and did. said they're shut down. Oh, Governor changed listen, I was in – I was in airport, airport. I was in, in airport Charlotte. In Charlotte. You and remember? I ran, so I just wanted to say it before you did because I remembered – I don't know if I'm insulted or complimented. No, so, you did. You um, met a business owner who actually <laughs> lives a different place. He has five locations, and he actually travels, flies back you to California. You were telling it so wrong. Sorry. Go ahead, I tell you a story. I met a business person that's five restaurants. No, but seriously, I'm, I met a guy that's yeah. – Because uh, you were reading a, a book a, on Barack Obama, and he said, wow, is that a good book? Yes. You – Sorry. Listen, I'm going to stand up on Sunday <laughs> and start telling your stories for you. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I don't, that came across really aggressive. Yeah, I did. <laughs> what so is I'm today right, about? Aren't I, I, aren't I you right? Are no, right? You are definitely mostly, not mostly. right. <laughs> yes. You are so wrong. But listen, I did run into a restaurateur from L.A. in, in, in a Charlotte airport that basically said, um, and he was right in the middle politically, but he was just talking about how, Gover, Gover, um, about how Newsom just kept – uh, they kept sh- shifting everything, yeah. and, and and he just talked about the the frustration of all of his employees losing their jobs. To- told me honestly about some of the darker stories that he said were not on the news about people being shot while they're trying to open the restaurants, and talked about um, the uh, the inconsistency and just the the sheer madness of what the food industry is going mm-hmm. through, especially in places like California, where he would look over and malls would be packed. I mean, this is back in October. Mm-hmm. Malls would be packed. People would be going, I mean, full of stores, but they could not have outdoor seating even 10 feet apart with glass shields. And Newsom literally went on record as saying, well, I don't know about the science behind it, but in my gut, I just know it's yeah. dangerous. Maybe we could do That's- a whole other episode and interview – a Democrat that thinks Newsom was also horrible. Yes, because that talk about oh. a guy who's just oh. unanimous, but I think unanimously that's, that's probably half. Of oh, dis- that guy. No, he has destroyed. I mean, he is in the, in my opinion, has been in the middle of destroying California over this yeah. past year. Yes. And and but he said it. Was, but people don't understand too the amount of money it takes for restaurant oh. owners to prep for outdoor seating. 
thousands hundreds, of dollars. No, I heard it was thousands more like of dollars. I, that one story, that one lady. I, think I heard a quarter million dollars. So he, so he told me. So he told me there were there was times him and all his friends that were in the restaurant business would spend thousands of dollars to prep for outdoor patio sale, which they, in my opinion, should have been able to do almost all along. And then the day before, Governor Newsom would change it and say, "No, I just don't feel good about it." There would still be stores packed, grocery stores packed, everything. Which is why. A lot of people are moving out of California. Oh my gosh! Mass exodus, leaving California because and New they, York, they, New York and California because they don't want they want to move to states that are free. I want. To, uh, can I riff on just one thing you said that I think yeah. is because uh, I think it's very layered why people are not going back to work. And I just want to say this: I brought this up two weeks ago. You get really nervous. Why? I don't know why you got nervous. I think I'm nervous about this. You said that people are not going to work because they're all lazy. I didn't say that. You said that. That's I why I got nervous. I did nervous. not say that. You thought I was I'm pretty saying. sure that's why we got that, nervous. I, I was like, dang. That. I don't know I why said, you said that. I don't understand why somebody would want to go back. But you did say something I think is interesting is talk about forming new habits. Mm-hmm. The, the, um, I heard something like the newest research is that it's 21 days to loosely begin to form a habit, mm-hmm. 75 days to lock in a habit. Mm-hmm. And it is crazy to think about wow. that people for 75 days, you know, in our church context, it was over 75 days that were not on property on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. or 75 days not going to work. It is fascinating to think about the new 75-day locked-in bad habits that formed mm-hmm. and good habits that lost. But do you guys think that it's mostly – you said you think it's mostly habitual. What is You working? think people have just gotten to the rhythm of being at home and so they aren't I think, I think that's probably been one of the challenges of why some of them have not gone back to work is because it's hard to go back to work. And, and, and this, this uh, survey that they, Forbes put out, and what they didn't do it, but it was another company that did it, um, they, they showed on there that the people were admitting or saying that they are worse financially off now, even with unemployment, than they were in their jobs. Mm-hmm. But yet... That's not enough. What it what it shows is that wasn't enough of a motivator mm-hmm. to get people to go back to work yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were getting some money, but not all the money. But it was it wasn't enough to to push people back. But I think if that's that if that's the case, I have to believe you have to be in a certain demographic, at least economically, that you can still survive doing that. Sure, I, I do think though that we are. That's been the prevailing theory, and I think that we are coming or butting up to having to. Uh, recognize a new reality that I think we're in in our workforce. Sure. I think that most people don't like change, but I think a lot of people, whether they were, um, we've shared a lot of articles back and forth or podcasts talking about how this is the year of transition yeah. for so many people. And I think that that's people who, uh, there's a lot of people that left their jobs not, that weren't just laid off and were looking for sure. a new job, right. but that left their jobs and went to a new career field altogether or right. moved back closer to family. <laughs> or, or, but what I'm saying is, is this has been a huge year of transition. Yeah. And so I think that definitely part of it has probably been unemployment, but I think it's a more complicated mm-hmm. uh, transition that we're going through mm-hmm. in our workforce than any of us could really understand right now. But one thing that I'm watching, my big theory that I think is, I think that there's just a huge adjustment going on in the entire workforce in, in general. I think you're seeing a rise of entrepreneurship. I think it's easier than ever mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. learn how to start your own business, to start your own business. I think that there's a generational shift in who's taking the, uh, in who's taking the realm as far as these, uh, or who's taking uh, the leadership positions at a lot of these companies. I think that uh, remote work has something to do with it. I think that people are really have a chance to take a deep breath and, and, and 
uh, with all the mental health things that are going on to go, am I happy here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody, that's the other mm-hmm. thing with so many people hiring is that people who have jobs who just want different jobs or better yeah, jobs right. yep. can go yep. out and it's very competitive right now. People have had a lot of time to think. People have had a lot of time to yeah. think. And I think, you're sitting I think at there's home a, I think there's definitely what will be interesting to watch is the economic uh, implications of how that reality changes things because especially it's, because as it affects the, the middle class. Well, it's going to drive it's going to drive a lot of weird things, all right? So if people decide that they're going to be looking for different types of employment, ones that mm-hmm. they it's like, hey, I want to enjoy this or I want to do remote and I'm, I don't want to just settle if that's what they felt for the type of employment they were in before. Mm-hmm. And if you say that's in leisure and hospitality service industry, you know, I think the question is going to be that is never going to go away. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen there? So you are going to have you're going to I mean, that's going to be a great question, right? The only way to survive it was going to be for them to raise their uh, rates, what they're paying people yeah. now. What does it look like when you're fast food, when you're retail, when everybody has to raise their rates, what they're paying? Guess what's going to happen? The cost of goods are well, going to go up well, through the talk, roof, right? Quick so brief now note everything on that. is going to get way more expensive. We've always said that it's, well, okay, well, let's do the 15-hour minimum wage or $15 an hour minimum wage. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there's nobody no s- hiring small. that is, what's the minimum wage in Ohio? I think it's 8 something right now. Yeah, I think it's something. 8, eight, eight, something. eight 80 something. But that's the minimum wage. There is nobody Anybody could get a job. McDonald's, I think, is hiring for fourteen an hour right now. Yeah, they're close. They're, they're, you you will not offering find a job a, for eight dollars. Offering an hour. a sign-on bonus, Arby's, yeah. KFC, yep. whatever like entry-level job. Like the it maybe it's not written in law, but the wages are going up. Yep, they are. But not it doesn't seem like enough. I mean, are the wages going to go up more? Well, I think the real question is going to be: there's there's only so much money in. So McDonald's is only going to make so much money. They're only going to sell so much. That probably has not changed. They're probably selling just as many hamburgers. I bet you they're selling just as many. I mean, well, I, I, so 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 the question. But the I think, service where has is been the, different. So, Haven't anywhere I've gone hmm. in the country and had a fast food experience. It's been awful, awful. awful. It has been. You are sitting awful. in a drive-through line forever, only to get your food messed up potentially, yeah. and then you're like, it has "What do been I do?" Awful everywhere. It yeah. is also in that same way. It's affected the airline industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lack of workers, especially right now, the post-pandemic. Have you seen all the articles warning about travel right now? Mm-hmm. So many flights, record his, uh, numbers of flights being canceled or delayed, mm-hmm. and angry customers because people are now deciding they want to travel. They still are in that, that gap of people starting to sign back up to work, but they can't find enough workers, mm-hmm. enough yeah. crews. Every it's, service it's, industry right so, now has been suffering. So the interesting is, that, is the ripple effect. What's going to happen? You know, like what I'm saying is that, okay, if you, if you take a corporation, whether it be McDonald's or something, and they have a certain profit margin and they have certain payouts, okay, to, to, to people, well, where is that coming from, the extra expense? It's, it's either going to get passed down to the consumer or they're going to have to find other ways to innovate. And it's just going to be interesting to see. It will all shake itself out. It always does. It's just going to be interesting to see. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a work revolution. But what because I'm saying there is, but what I'm saying is, there is that particular field will never go away here in no, America. No, it will never go away. And so, what's, but what's going to happen when you starve it of people because everybody says, "I don't want to go work there. I don't want to go work there. I want to go work here." Well, eventually, here is going to be full. Yeah, and it's going to be really hard to get jobs here because everybody wants jobs here that are remote, that are doing this, that I want all that. And so you're you're going to end up with some very interesting economic situations. I think it's going to take a couple of years for those remote jobs to get full. There's just so many of them. Mm-hmm. I think personally, I think that remote 
I think the existence of remote jobs is, um, I think a lot of it's just temporary because I don't think psychologically it's going to mm -hmm. be healthy for human beings to work at home. Whether or not, I think companies think that people want it. I think it's a mistake. I think it only lasts so long. I mean, I talked to a couple people. I was just talking to some people from the church. That, yeah. Well, I think they I are. I was talking to some four-day work weeks. I think. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Well, there was just a Google just did invested hundred million dollars. Did you see a big study on the four-day workspaces? Yeah, there's a huge study on a four-day work week. Yeah, I just did you read you're about four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss? No, four-day work week. Do you still eat Big Macs? I don't eat Big Macs. Okay. Um, for, but where was it? Did you read the article? It was just recent. It was. A, I, it was. I, a, it was I like. Heard people it was a. It. it was a country. I feel like it was a smaller country in Spain or no. Or something. Yeah, I think it was uh, almost like Denmark. It was Scandinavian country. But they literally, or is in. I can't remember if it was in a city or whatever. But they they did this where their government, like everything, was four day work week. And they measured all kinds of different things. They did I this for this. a certain amount of time. It's yep. an article I just read. I wish I remember where it's from. But what they came back, they discovered was the actual, um, that not only was everybody happier, but they actually said with them being happier and everything, that the productivity was yeah. higher. Yeah. And so this, the question in this article was, is this a direction that we're going to see a lot of people going? And then they, they, they said it was like that same group that did that said their next, like, challenge was, like, the three-day work week. Like, it was like, we did four days, now we're going to go three days. Now. So my question is, okay, my question is this. I'm going to start working Monday through Wednesday. Are you? <laughs> if you keep, I get the five to four day, but the idea was, hey, everybody's happier, it seemed, and productivity was up. It was a little bit, but it was up in four days versus five. Three days must be better than four. Two days must be better than three. One day, at some point, I just wonder when we stop seeing work as a means for an income, but we actually find purpose and value in it, mm -hmm. and we actually think that taking away too much of it is actually going to leave us in a state where we go, well, I don't know. How, how, I'm not saying that I want my job or career to be my life, but but I want to find value in right. what I do, meaning in what I do, purpose yeah. in what I do. And I, I think the big question people have today after this long pause or break is, I didn't have meaning in what I was doing here. Yeah. So I want to find meaning. But I, I, my question in that whole thing is, it just seems like the goal, we need to get down to less and less, no one working. And I'm going, wait a minute, I actually think we're going to miss something. Yeah. I have a thought. I think that I never understood this until I had kids. But I was in that position where I – my work is filled with purpose and I love what I do. But even in that, in, in that circumstance, I think as it wasn't enough because you quit as Americans, <laughs> I was fired. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I, as Americans, I think we find our safety in work and obviously financial safety, social safety. It's how we almost forced into a social setting, mm -hmm. but also it's a great escape from everything that's not going right in your you know, outside of your nine to five mm -hmm. is that there has been, you know, as I'm, I'm in my first week of, of self-employment. Okay. And, and the hardest thing by far has been being around my kids as much as I'm around. It's yeah. been a couple of days. I'm talking like, this is the first thing. You, some things just kind of where I usually have, all right, got to run to work real quick. You know, they're losing their minds. Honey, can you take care of that? Or whether she does that yeah. and leaves me with you. However, it works. I think that I would say that, and I'm somebody who my work has always been, I'm so blessed to say my work has always been filled with purpose. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that my, how I utilize my job hasn't always been healthy. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think what that study indicates and why I'm so full of anticipation for this next season of how work is going to go and how companies are going to respond or over-respond mm-hmm. or overreach or underreact mm-hmm. or however it all – I'm just – I'm just, I really am really excited to see how it all shapes up after Google does their $100 million hybrid work study trying to make your remote people feel like they're in the office and give them an option to do both and they'll roll your TVs around or you can control your, your personal TV with a remote control and be around the groups of people you want to be in in the office. You should see it. It's really cool. I think today's show was there. A modular office setting or working across the country completely remote. However, that lines up with the mental health component of what we've seen mm-hmm. how isolation isolation and being alone however that melts with all of the socioeconomic and the inflation that we're about to see and mm. all of these things i think that i do agree people are going do i love what i do mm-hmm. and am i in love with the problem that i'm solving in the world because we're so hyper aware of the problems mm-hmm. that, that exist am i in love with the problem i'm solving i think it's a great question people are asking themselves and I think everybody should ask a question <laughs> but i will say we're going to say well i want to have a job that i have purpose in but what everyone is the problem everybody's trying to solve is i need to stop weaponizing my job against my life right? The people who their home life sucks. So they spend 60 hours in the office or your office life sucks. So I just want to spend more time at home. Yeah. I I just think that it's going to be an interesting thing that place that we land. Yeah. 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 I think the healthiest lives are always the most integrated lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Boundaries matter, but I think sometimes boundaries are also in this modern age used as a weapon for unhealthy extremes. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it can't always work out this way for people. But like you said, I just think there's ditches when it comes to work. There's the ditch of uh, I'm going to be a a workaholic. I'm going to use that as my escape. I'm going to, you know, we talked about Sabbath and soul. I'm going to have no margin for mental health, for family, for friends, for recreation, for dreaming. Um, Or there's the other where we look at we view work as a curse to be avoided or Mm -hmm. something to endure for 60 years and then retire mm-hmm. or is something that is just a, a drain a means to an end mm-hmm. and i just i think the more we can move towards the middle where we have a job with purpose or we at least bring purpose to our job until we find a job that innately fills us with purpose that's another thing because okay let's talk about the job that's going to bring you purpose but everything that we preach here in our jesus context is that you have purpose in exactly. any context right yep. right so, so how are you bringing purpose? How are you br- yep. if you work in food service or if you work right. at McDonald's? Guess what? Right. That's a great ministry. Oh, you're, oh yeah, you're it's a talking great to people all day long, yeah. all day long. People yeah. who need hope, people who are hungry. Yeah. For, but I think that's yeah. the thing, though. If you don't have that internal purpose, okay. If you don't have that internal purpose, then you have nothing left but to try to find it in your job. So yeah. you're saying that people who are trying to find a better purpose in a new job actually just need Jesus. What did you just say? I'm saying oh my that what if all You're, of this <clears throat> is, I do think all roads lead, lead back to what God's trying to do in this world. And you're seeing right now, I think, a culture and a society, not that Christians aren't always also looking for different jobs, not that doing that's bad or anti-biblical or God doesn't want you to leave your job because he's put. All I'm saying is, is that I think it's an indication of the spiritual restlessness 
yeah. of people right now that something needs to change, yeah. and I don't know what. So I'm going to look to my family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look to my. I'm going to get a divorce from my spouse. I'm going to have another baby. I'm going to buy a new house and move. I'm going to live in a new city. Is that you are seeing spiritual restlessness that's been there forever mm-hmm. manifest itself in all these crazy radical ways in society, and mm-hmm. I'm just. I just think it's a really interesting thing to watch right. and how that will affect the church yeah. coming up in the next mm. season of life. I don't know. I, yeah. I have no answers. I'm yeah. just, <clears throat> it's just a, an awareness. That I think that, uh, you know, what's, you know, it's interesting. You can be living in the most significant moment of your life and not know it. Yeah. Right. You yeah. never know it until later. Yeah. And so I, I would imagine what would be interesting and it'd be really fun if we're still doing this podcast five years from now, but it would just be interesting to what will we say about 2021 and this whole dynamic of work and purpose and coming out of the pandemic. It'll be interesting to see how much it shapes it. I I do think that there are a lot of significant things that happened during the pandemic that have even shifted what our mindset is when it comes to church ministry Mm -hmm. in our context. And so undoubtedly it's done that in the workplace. And so I do think that, I think you'll never get rid of a certain amount of person-to-person type of engagement in life and culture, which includes jobs like that. They're never going to go away. It's going to force someone's hand to do something, and that's what's going to be interesting. It's either It feels like there's going to be the standoff. Either it's going to force a bunch of people, nope, you're out of money, things are going bankrupt, you're forced to go back and take whatever you can get, or it's going to force employers to go, we have to make some changes, and you see that now as there's massive bonuses to fast food, to anything. There's bonuses. I just heard an ad today. It was like $1,200 signing bonus to go work at a, a, a factory or a warehouse and make $22 an hour. Like you never had an opportunity to make more money without. And the one side caveat that we're not even talking about, this all affects economically is education, mm-hmm. higher education. There is right now well, more and more. Mm-hmm. There is more and more. I've, this is, I've noticed this in the last mm-hmm. year that I've never seen this before. There is more and more of a push away from. I, talked to, we, I know people in our church who are who working admissions, other things, and higher education. It has never been harder. There are less people than ever who are coming out of high school who are saying, I'm going to college now. Yeah, and so I just, I think they're all interconnected. This way it always is, right? That's why Economist, Future, all these people, they, they're, they're brilliant. But they're, one thing always leads to another. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really fascinating to see because I do think that that's a correction that I think we're going to see. Because I remember when I, when I graduated from high school, you know, it's interesting. I go to graduations now, and I've gone to my oldest daughter's graduation. I've got another one that's going to be graduating in a few years. And I, I, I listen to them now, you know, when they announce everybody's names, and they're going walking up. They tell what they're going to do, and about 98% of them all say this is what college they're going to and this is what they're going in. I mean, it's like, 90, you know, a few of them are going straight in the military. You know, I, I, last one, I remember at my daughter's graduation, one guy was going to be a welder, smartest one out of everybody there, yeah, because he's going to apprentice for six months and make six figures mm-hmm. and not have any debt, okay? But, but you, at 98 or seemed like percent of them were all going to college. When I graduated high school, I remember when they do that, I would say it was maybe 50%. They said, well, I, I know I'm going to college, undecided, not sure. And so what we've seen for the last 20, 30 years is this big shift where it's like, you have to have a degree, have to have a degree, yeah, have to have a degree. Back. I think it's shifting, well, it's shifting back anyways because what's happened is your service industry. The cost, 
I mean, you will make way more money being a plumber, being an electrician, going to a trade school than you ever will getting your degree and being a teacher. Well, we need to. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane we, how much money. That, we need to, and so guess what? That's why it costs a fortune to have a plumber to your house. I'm so excited to have this conversation. And I think what? that this has been fun because yeah. I, think, I think we need to listen back on this conversation because there's like three episodes that are going to come <laughs> from this episode. We were not planning on talking about I'm serious, though. I, here's, here's something I'd like to talk about. When we oh. were talking about Gavin, this is just a sneak peek. I'm saying this so I can write it down for later. You uh, write it down. I feel like I'm I want to talk about. Down. Um, I want to go back and maybe we can look at numbers, COVID numbers, state to state. Uh, you know, just to talk about the extremes, what were the differences and similarities between California and Texas? You want to talk about how the COVID numbers are going back up? I want to talk about masks. I want Sorry. to talk about. I want to talk wow. about whether or not um, from this early data, uh, who was right and who was wrong, or if anybody mm. was. Um, I want. Do we to, know? And can we trust? Can but we let's trust, have a conversation. Can we trust the information? It. Let's have a conversation. All right, we're gonna have to look it, it up. I want to talk. Up, maybe in that episode, we can talk about California's recall election because there's some real famous people that are running in. That. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. there that are. So that would be fascinating. That how does like the first mainstream transgender woman run as a conservative? Yeah, that almost get canceled hey, already. Let's talk about that. Jenner. Um, <laughs> I just think that's a fascinating wow. conversation. Uh, I also think that there, let's talk about the future of higher education. Yes, I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. And, and within that conversation, we can talk about uh, the future of higher education and also um, what, uh, what platforms have been devalued because of COVID. Here's the thing I think about. Uh, there's people who've started YouTube shows and podcasts that be- when we were going through the height of quarantine, the Today Show was being filmed on Zoom yeah. from a house. It uh, looked like it too. Every, I mean, it's like anybody yeah, else could do. The quality, mm-hmm. the level, the playing field has been leveled. And so, yeah. what things because of just that uh, that small time in society will forever be changed? Um, I think that's a great convert, like cable news, things like that that I'm thinking about. Tonight's show, all things uh, of that nature. Um, future of that. And I, those are, I think, some good ones to start. We're using actual precious podcast time to work on a list of things. We're gonna, hey, speaking of which, we'll just go ahead and say it. If you have, if this, if this podcast has sparked <laughs> any of you, just ideas. Like we, we, we have, I mean, we have, a, I have a list of ideas, but we always want to talk about what you're thinking about. We want to talk about what's trending, yeah. what's cultural. What, what is the conversation happening, the bigger conversation happening in our country, in our culture? And we want to hit that. So I, I just want to say, if this has sparked, you're like, wait a minute, if you're taking suggestions i would love for you guys to talk about this yeah go ahead and send us an email to podcast at the x dot church we would love to also throw it into the conversation and who knows and let us know from earlier when kevin and tim were arguing who was right <laughs> just email us i honestly based on the way we, we talked about an it, argument we, too we were both right we did didn't we i've been right twice today <laughs> so and was i i you were it's amazing one. i love these I was two <laughs> <I've> been, <laughs> they don't I've argue been right in this whole time <laughs> i why are you hitting on ice this today? I just have loved this conversation because I don't think, I think people sometimes are a little bit like, why are we spending time thinking about what we don't know? I think there's huge value in getting with people that you know and love and having a uh, civil conversation about what might happen. Mm -hmm. Because what we believe to be inherent about people, especially who are listening to this podcast, is you're shaping the future of the context you find yourself in. And so you can 
be a result or be a pawn or, or be a recipient of the future that others are creating. Or you can put your antennas up yep. and without cynicism in your heart or your eyes or without being crippled by fear of what's going to happen next, be a part of creating uh, creating solutions for problems that are brand new in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe not brand new, but uh, people are now awake to some very new problems that uh, that we see. And so you, you have things in you that we would say even God's put inside of you to solve a problem, to help somebody uh, that, that you work next to, that you live next to. Uh, and out of great seasons of turmoil and out of great seasons of uh, really just civil destruction, we are going to see uh, beautiful things rise yeah. from those ashes. Yeah. And you, if you put on your innovative mindset, if you put on your optimistic optimistic goggles yeah. to see the world through, then you are going to be able to shape a future that no one's ever seen before. So we are so thankful that you're here. Send us an email. We've gone for a long time today, but it's been fun. So uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, everybody.